thankful to New Growth Press Publishers for sponsoring this season. And I'd love to tell you about a couple of kids' books that we've really enjoyed recently in our house. The first is called Sean and His Amazing Shrinking Sister by Ginger Hubbard and Al Rowland. It's a quirky, fun and helpful story that shows children and warns them about the dangers of teasing. With every teasing comment, Sean's sister shrinks. And you have to grab a copy to see how the situation gets remedied. The second is The Acrostic of Scripture by Jonathan Gibson and Timothy Brindle. It's a rhyming, illustrated walkthrough of biblical theology for kids as the writers take us through the alphabet. Each letter comes with a short, rhyming verse that shows how this moment in the Bible points to Jesus. Now, I know it sounds ambitious, but it's actually accessible and beautifully done. Grab your copies at tenofthose.com. Welcome to Two Sisters in a Cup of Tea. My name is Sarah. I live in the UK. This is my sister Felicity. She lives in the States. And today we're carrying on in the book of Titus and we're in chapter two today. But before we get there, Felicity, what's in your cup? Well, I've taken a new tea venture today because I've got a green tea, but it's not mm. just any green tea. I was with a friend recently and she was drinking this tea. This is why I've picked it up because of the name. It's called Emperor's Clouds and Mist. I mean, oh. that's just a beautiful name. And a beautiful so I name thought, doesn't really tell you much about the tea, though. No. And, it's like cloudy and misty. Yeah, well, it is definitely cloudy in a kind of green kind of way. <laughs> to be fair, the name is the strength of the tea. Oh, shame. <laughs> I wonder, yeah, so maybe you've just got the way you drink it wrong. I don't know or something like that. But I probably need to ring her for advice. How to drink the emperor's clouds. That's the question. How long have you steeped the bag for? Well, I actually managed to break the bag as I put it in. Oh, this so... is not going well, is it? <laughs> to be fair, the tea probably needs another chance. It's my, it's my whole treatment of it that's the issue here. Yeah, so, you need I to give see that, that another chance. <laughs> Tomorrow is a new tea day. Exactly, exactly. Okay, before we get into Titus, Felicity, we're answering some questions about reading the Bible with someone else. Our question today is the when question. When should we get the Bible open with others? Yes, when. Now, you might be thinking as you hear that question, you know, when's the best time of day? I'm going to say there's no perfect time of day. We're not going to prescribe when the time of day is. But what we're really talking about is when in terms of how we are feeling about getting the Bible open with someone. There's no perfect time in terms of, oh, I think I'm ready now. I'm mature enough. Or Mm. I think this person is going to absolutely say yes, just because I'm asking the question at this point. Uh, I think really now in terms of we just want to get the living word open with people right here and now. And I'm tempted to wait and wait and wait until um, I feel like I know that book well enough or I'm sort of feeling in a good place spiritually myself. But the the reality is that we, as we get the Bible open with someone else, are going to be sitting at the feet of Jesus as well. So we're going to be benefiting and growing and delighting in that at the same time. What what do you think? Yeah, I think it's yeah, it's acknowledging that we're we're needy, aren't we? Like we need this word to shape us. And when we come from that stance, say it's a no-brainer to say, I need I need to do this, would you do this with me? Like starting from that kind of point, I think there's no there's no better time than than now yes. to say that, is there? Because <laughs> we all need the word of God. Um and we all need to be kind of steeping ourselves in it. Um but I do think that plays into the the time of day question because actually that means you can do it when your kids are around. You can do it on your commute. You can do it late at night if you need to. You can do it early morning because actually if there's 20 minutes where you can prioritise in your week to get this open with someone else because you know that you need it and you know that you both will really benefit from it, then do it. Yeah, I love that. Make yeah. that time for it. So 
Yeah. Great, great point. Coming from the point of neediness. Brilliant. Let's do it. <laughs> now. Let, now is the let's time. Let's do it now. Okay, I'm going to read chapter two. Here we go. You, however, must teach what is appropriate to sound doctrine. Teach the older men to be temperate, worthy of respect, self-controlled and sound in faith, in love and endurance. Likewise, teach the older women to be reverent in the way they live, not to be slanderers or addicted to much wine, but to teach what is good. Then they can urge the younger women to love their husbands and children, to be self-controlled and pure, to be busy at home, to be kind and to be subject to their husbands, so that no one will malign the word of God. Similarly, encourage the young men to be self-controlled. In everything, set them an example by doing what is good. In your teaching, show integrity, seriousness and soundness of speech that cannot be condemned, so that those who oppose you may be ashamed because they have nothing bad to say about us. Teach slaves to be subject to their masters in everything, to try to please them, not to talk back to them and not to steal from them, but to show that they can be fully trusted, so that in every way they will make the teaching about God our Saviour attractive. For the grace of God has appeared that offers salvation to all people. It teaches us to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright and godly lives in this present age while we wait for the blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Saviour, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us to redeem us from all wickedness and to purify for himself a people that are his very own, eager to do what is good. These then are the things you should teach. Encourage and rebuke with all authority. Do not let anyone despise you. What a picture. What a picture of this sound doctrine impacting every part of life, isn't it? Like every walk of life. Yeah, it's it's amazing, isn't it? Actually, there's there's so many different groups of people there. Um, is it worth just kind of uh, linking back slightly to uh, what we've had before? Because the first phrase is "you, however," and that is our linking word, which links back to the context that we were looking at last week of the false teachers and how abhorrent their behaviour and their doctrine and their situation was. Yeah, really helpful. Really helpful. So we have a stark contrast, and so. As Titus is being addressed here, everything that he's going to be commanded to do is good <laughs> in comparison to what, what we've had before. It's worth maybe as well just digging into that um, must teach what is appropriate to sound doctrine. And at that point, just maybe just skipping to the last chunk that you read there, verses 11 through to 14, mm-hmm. we have we have the gospel, don't we? So what, what a glorious picture, the gospel we have there. Um, verse 11, for the grace of God has appeared that offers salvation to all people. And that is the sound doctrine, isn't it? So in terms of he's saying, teach what is appropriate to sound doctrine, like these behaviors, these intergenerational relationships, all of these things come with the gospel. They're fueled by the gospel, by Jesus himself. Yeah, they're an overflow, aren't they? Um, Which I love. I love that he includes this gospel explanation at the end of it, I love that it's kind of like this, 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 and this because of this. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's like a kind of like beautiful kind of whoosh, here we go. Let the grace of God really kind of just remind you um, of how good it is. And it is good, isn't it? The grace of God. So anything that he's commanding them is because the grace of God has appeared. Mm -hmm. for salvation to all people there's no one exempt there's no one there's no one too far gone to accept this grace and this is the grace that teaches us to say no to ungodliness and to worldly passions so it teaches us to say no in one respect and say yes 
to godly behavior to live self-control upright and godly lives yeah. um so i love that i love that the gospel well the god is interesting isn't it the gospel impacts the past it's appeared it's happened um it impacts the present in teaching them what to say yes and no to in their behavior and then in verse 13 it impacts the future while we wait for the blessed hope the appearing of the glory of our great god and savior jesus christ so yeah it's it's all all of that i love that so every aspect of what we're about whether it's looking back looking forward but most definitely in this passage right here and now what does it look like to live out this gospel life and it's just really interesting isn't it that there's so much um interpersonal help <laughs> like everyone's helping one another within mm. the church family how do you see that well so we've got um titus himself teaching the older men to be temperate and then we've got the older women teaching the younger women mm-hmm. and we've got then the young men being spoken about and you can imagine that while the old men are being spoken about taught this then actually they are then going to pass that on to the younger men who are ultimately (laughs) going to become the older men there's this kind of continuum of we're Mm -hmm. all going to seek to help one another to live out this this good gospel life and i just think that's a really striking aspect of this the intergenerational nature of it it's quite counter cultural i think like the way our world is set up the way our society is set up we don't have that much of this it's beautiful isn't it it's really beautiful and it is yeah i think increasingly communities aren't wired in this way anymore so when you see it in action in a church family and you see it in action in a good and healthy way um and the word sound does mean healthy doesn't it and so this is a, this is a this is a picture of a healthy church life and when you see those intergenerational relationships working well it's yeah it's beautiful and it and it's right that it's beautiful because actually the kind of the refrain that's repeated at the end of each section is so that no one will malign the word of God, so that uh, no one, uh, so that no one will be ashamed, and um, because they have nothing bad to say about us, so that in every way the teaching about God, our Saviour, is attractive. Like there's a real kind of repetition of actually this, the way that you live and the way that you are with one another and the way that the gospel impacts your relationships in your church family actually will impact the outside. It will amp- impact how people view the love mm-hmm. of God and the gospel because yeah. of the way that you are interacting together. Yeah, that's so encouraging, isn't it? Because sometimes it can feel like it's very hard to make any impact on on anything, but actually just by the way in which we conduct ourselves with one another. And I think this is a challenge to us to look to the older generation, to kind of exalt, mm. to lift up the older generation as wise people Um godly people and i think and then also maybe a challenge to the older generation to uh, have confidence that god has equipped us whoever you are whatever age you are with the gospel and the gospel is all that is needed in order to do what is being asked here yeah it comes back to one verse one doesn't it knowledge the truth is what leads to godliness and actually so knowledge of this gospel growing in your delight in this beautiful gospel that we see in verses 11 to 14 that actually is the most useful thing that you can pass on to someone else that's what you're teaching yeah as you teach one another that's what you're kind of encouraging one another with and um, you don't need a 70 degree you don't need like i don't know like just i think it's tempting to think i'm just oh i just haven't got what it takes 
to do this. I don't have the confidence because I'm just not well versed in this. And actually all that you need is the gospel because that is the power to save and that is the power to transform. As we were saying with um, the elders and as we were saying last week, actually it's the gospel that transforms lives, isn't it? Mm-hmm. It's not anything extra. The false teachers are adding extra stuff on. No, that's not what's needed. It's just a life fueled by the gospel, living yeah. and loving others with the gospel. Yeah. And that, that that outworking of that loving would be like in verse four, we see that these older women, I guess, specifically diving into the older women and the younger women being women as we are, then the verse four, they can urge the younger women. So like this, this role of urging one another on and um, being taught the gospel. And so then encouraging one another in that. And it, that is it, just really quite practical, actually, isn't it? In the sense of like, women get alongside one another and urge one another on through the gospel to this godly life and there's some detail about what that looks like I mean we're thinking about the home we're thinking about being self-controlled and how we are with our our husbands and children this idea of submission which I know is a kind of a bit of a buzzword in the culture but actually in the context we're talking about um that's not the only the only time it's mentioned and we're talking about submitting to someone who is seeking to be like Jesus yeah who is who is eager for self-control and is is in the gospel themselves, is fueled by the gospel themselves. I think that's key, isn't it? Actually, everything that you see here, every kind of um, attitude that's described, and particularly the repeated words like self-control, that's a fruit of the Spirit. That's a fruit of Jesus's Spirit in you. To, to submit is a fruit of Jesus's Spirit, the way that he submitted to his Father in heaven, um, to be temperate, to be worthy of respect, to be sound in faith, in love, in endurance, all of these things, we can track them all back to Jesus himself and how he was and how he is. And I just think that's really important, isn't it? That none of these are disconnected from the grace that we then read about at the end of the chapter. It's all flowing from Jesus. And I think where I fall down sometimes is I can think it's a bit abstract and I can think, okay, okay, I need to grow in self-control or how do I do that? I'm really struggling with that. Rather than going, okay, let's go back to Jesus and see actually what what does it look like for him to have self-control when it came to the false teachers around him, when it came to pressures and temptations. And what did he do? He prayed and he sought you know, encouragement from others. And yeah, he used the word of God to help him mm. um, to fight temptation and not to sin. And I just, yeah, the ch- I think, feel like the challenge for me in all of these is how, yeah, how much am I going to go back to the grace that is Jesus himself, knowledge of the truth. Jesus is the way, the truth and the life. That's going to be the thing. He is going to be the one who then helps me to grow in the in this way, I think. Yeah, I think that's absolutely right. And, and and out of that comes also a challenge. Are we expectant that mm. Jesus is going to change us? That because we have the gospel, we can expect that we are going to bear the fruit of the Spirit and therefore live out this good life that is described here. And I think with that comes the challenge of, am I prepared to therefore love people as a gospel mm. person, love people enough to get involved as I think here, what we have is a picture of people involved in each other's lives. Yeah. And through that, God is going to work and and the gospel is going to have an impact. And, but it requires, it requires a kind of expectation of that and therefore a seeking out of those opportunities, doesn't it? And yeah, and that can be, that can be costly time-wise and emotionally and all of those things. 
all of those things, isn't it? Like there's an intentionality to these relationships here. And that's why it's beautiful, I think, because actually what I think what we're seeing here is is life carved out for one another. And as you seek to love one another, that that will cost. That will like that will feel costly in different ways. But love is costly and it's beautiful mm-hmm. because you're you're giving of yourself to help others grow and to further one another in that knowledge of the truth that leads to godliness. And so yeah, there's a expect expectancy, isn't there? Like we should we should want to grow in these ways, but actually we strive and we pray, Lord, help me to be intentional in this. Lord, show me who can I who can I get alongside? Who can I ask to help me to grow? You know, there's just I think looking out for who's around you in your local church family and going, Lord, show me. What does it look like right now? Yeah, I think that's that's just so true. Shall I pray for us that yes, that would be please. the case? <laughs> <laughs> Heavenly Father, we praise you so much for the gospel. Thank you for the power of the gospel. Thank you that we can be expectant that you're bringing about change through Jesus. And we pray, Father, that you give us eyes to see the people around us. Please, would you give us that intentionality that we would love to involve ourselves in each other's lives. Pray that you'd help us to be those who are eager to bring the gospel to bear on our own life, but also in the lives of others. Please, Lord, would you um, move us towards this beautiful picture? We pray that you might do your work in us through your gospel, by your grace, for your glory. Amen. Amen. Oh, it's so good, isn't it? There's so much in here. It's worth saying that we're going to come back to some of this passage, some of this chapter next week with our guest, Natalie Brand, um, who's going to help us think a bit more deeply about what it is to grow in this sound doctrine together as women in the faith. Uh, So we're really looking forward to speaking to her on that topic. Um, But until then, if you don't already, why not sign up for our newsletter that comes out once a month and just keeps you in the loop with what we're doing uh, what we're studying next, what's going on, um, and different links that kind of link to our season in Titus or whatever else. Uh, we'd love to connect with you in that way. And we look forward to seeing you next time. Absolutely. See you next time. We're thankful to New Growth Press for sponsoring this season.